This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jay-Z on a Sunday. That's how we do it. 98.7 ESPN. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. 800-919-3776. As we get you toward coverage of the NBA All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City. Tonight, the All-Star Game. Uh, draft is going to take place. Usually it's a, it's the Thursday before the game, but tonight they're going to do it right before the game. So that's going to be exciting. Just going to tell you the starters who were voted in the starters. You had LeBron, Giannis, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie, Doncic, Jokic, Embiid replaces Durant. John Morant replaces Steph Curry and Laurie Markkinen. A fellow member of the Jazz replaces Zion Williamson. Meanwhile, the reserves who got in were Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese Halliburton, and Drew Holiday, Julius Randle. So that's his second All-Star appearances, uh, second All-Star appearance in four years for the Knicks. Uh, meanwhile, Pascal Siakam named an injury replacement, Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, Paul George, who should not have been there, but uh, I go on, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dame Lillard, and DeMontis Sabonis. So those are your all-stars tonight, and that draft will take place right before the game. Reserves are going to go first, and then, then you'll have the starters. I'm... I'm Bomb not to see Katie, Steph, and, and Zion out there. We don't know if Giannis is going to play. He's dealing with a, a wrist injury. But when you have the stars in action, uh, it takes a little bit of the luster away. All-star break in New York City does feel a lot differently this year than in years past. Typically, we would be discussing the Nets' title hopes. But much to Joe Leo's chagrin, we are not doing that because gone are both KD, more him in a moment, and Kyrie Irving. So the focus now is on their ceiling being that of just an exciting team with a ton of depth. Mikel Bridges dropped a career high uh, before the break and a win for the Nets. So you got him, Cam Johnson, Dinwiddie, and DFS, and a bunch of guys who are are, are uh, nice rotation players, don't have the star. Uh, can they keep that five seed? Who knows? But this is a team that does have talent. They're not going to bottom out. And it makes no sense for them to bottom out because they don't have any draft picks anyway. Really, a lot of them are going to Houston because of the James Harden trade. So they, they've put together a representable team that's going to pale in comparison to uh, Harden, Kyrie, and KD. But it's still a team that can be exciting for that fan base. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, at 33-27, and 27, six games clear of the 500 mark, this is their best record. Entering the All-Star break since that 2012 season that saw them win 54 games and a first-round playoff series against the the Celtics, it was. In six games, they beat the Celtics that year. So the Knicks doing pretty well. It is exciting to see this team come together because no one, and I mean no one, thought Jalen Brunson was going to be this good. No one thought he was going to be this good. Remember, the Mavs... Could have gotten him last year during the season for four years, $50 million total, and decided against that. And that was a big mistake. Big mistake not to get him at that number. Big mistake not to resign him. So, of course, they had to try to correct that in the form of trading for Kyrie Irving. 
But the fact that they didn't keep Jalen Brunson is something that's going to haunt them for a long time because I don't think Kyrie's going to be there long term, and they're not going to win a championship this year. So now you're going to have Luka surrounded by just not enough help, and it's going to be LeBron and Cleveland all over again. But back to the Knicks, who are also 17-12 and 12 on the road. It's just weird all season long. If you're a Knicks fan, you just feel more comfortable about this team on the road than you do at home. That road record at 17-12 and 12 is the best that they've had in 23 years in that 2000-2001 season when they were 14-9 and on the road entering the All-Star break. So the question now for the Knicks, or a ton of them, but we start with, can they climb to the five spot? With 22 games left, three games back of the Nets, certainly doable. They play them one more time this season. They trail the season series 2-1. to one. So you get, that, you get that game. Not only is that a game you make up in the loss column, but you even the season series and then conference record becomes the tiebreaker if you find yourself in that situation uh, because why why do you feel that the Knicks need to get to the five seed because you just feel like they're drawing dead if they finish worse than that five spot because we're not they're not beating Boston they're not beating Milwaukee they're not beating Philly in a playoff series they just don't have the star power to take down Tatum and Brown or Giannis Middleton and Drew or the combination of, of, of Embiid, Harden, and Tyrese Maxey, and a Philly team that looks really good this year, the addition of, of Melton, who, who gives them a, a spacer and another defender, and Tobias is playing well. So those are three teams that we know they're just not going to beat. I don't think they're beating Cleveland, but at least it's the, the best chance you have of them advancing to the second round. You get into that 4-5 matchup with the Cavs, that's your best chance. I don't think the Knicks are beating the Cavs, though, because the Knicks in that series will enter with the second and third best players when you have Brunson and Randall behind Donovan Mitchell, who who will be the best player in that series. So you get the second and third best players for the Knicks, but then the next three to four best players are probably all on Cleveland with Jared Allen and Darius Garland and you know Evan Mobley, Karis LeVert, throw him in there. So it, it, it just, I, I think that that's a series that certainly they have a chance to win. I don't think they will, but it'll be exciting, especially when you get all the storylines of Mitchell could have been a Nick. So, you know, the Knicks, that, that's the ideal spot to be in. 22 games left. You are three games behind the five spot, behind the Nets. So you got to go catch them to try to, have, to present yourself with the best opportunity of getting into a second round. Knicks this year have taken advantage of a watered-down Eastern Conference, and that's not to take credit away from them. I think they've they've done a great job, but the Nets imploded. The Bulls, Raptors, and Heat were all expected to be much better, and that just hasn't materialized. So the Knicks doing an excellent job. It's funny. We haven't gotten any calls. Joe Leo, you produce a lot of shows. Any uh, fire Tom Thibodeau calls? Have you gotten those lately? Nah? They're starting to come back. Starting to come back. Interesting. I think just because of the inconsistency of the team, uh, now that you know what the ceiling could be, I think Nick fans are a little hesitant as to Thibodeau being the coach to get this team to the ceiling. Yeah, they're crazy. Tom, Tom Thibodeau, two years removed from being the coach of the year, hasn't forgotten how to coach. Uh, and he is doing the best he can with their roster that doesn't have a star. Jalen Brunson has been excellent. Julius Randle, to me, has been clearly their best player. They don't have this star. I, I don't think Randle can be the best player on a great team. I don't think Brunson can be the best player on a great team. So they have two really good players who are having fantastic seasons. They just don't have a star. And then, you know, 
let's be honest, R.J. Parrott has certainly fallen short of expectations. Like, everyone wants to keep running out there that he's averaging 20 points per game. Guys, are you watching him? Offensively, he looks lost. He doesn't look comfortable. He's going to his left, spinning, and it just has no plan. He's turning the ball over. The three-point shot has—it never was consistent to begin with, but it was a lot better than it is now. And it used to be someone you counted on defensively, and it's just not coming. It's just, just not materializing for him. So R.J. Barrett has been a disappointment after signing that lucrative $100 million extension off the rookie deal. And I think that's why this team, or this is a large part of why this team doesn't have that high of a ceiling. Because could you imagine, like, picture what you thought R.J. Barrett could be and put him on this team that has been really good defensively, even absent of Mitchell Robinson, with Julius Randle being an all-star, with Brunson could have been an all-star. Picture the R.J. Barrett that you expected him to be or envisioned he could be, what the best-case scenario was. And don't tell me he's young. It's year four. It's year four. He should have figured it out already, and he still doesn't have a consistent move. What's he good at, I ask you? What's he good at? There's, there's nothing you can tell me. R.J. Barrett is really good at this. Nothing. So that's been a disappointment. But otherwise, the Knicks would have a higher ceiling. They would have a much higher ceiling. And I think that if if it's you coming down to the, the criticism, what I'm tired of is Knicks lose a game that the knee-jerk reaction is Julius Randle. Let's blame him. Let's, Julius Randle has been phenomenal. The reason why the Knicks are where they are it's a good spot. Again, it's a good spot that, that 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 they're in. But the reason why they're not better, or you don't have expectations of them actually doing something of more significance, is because they're simply not getting enough out of a guy who might not be a starter in R.J. Barrett. Like, is he good enough to be a starter on this team? I don't know. Maybe Josh Hart should be starting over him with Jalen Brunson. Maybe Josh Hart should be starting over. By the way, I do want to give some credit Obi Toppin. Uh, he's looked much better this year. I do think he should play more minutes. The the one problem with him was you really couldn't count on on Toppin to do much outside of fast break dunking. But this year, he looks a lot more comfortable shooting threes. Like he's gotten really comfortable. Like in the past, you you, you watch the, the three coming out of his hands. You can walk back the other way because the team's getting a rebound and hustling back to try to get a fast break opportunity. But Obi's knocking some threes down this year, so I've been impressed with with uh, his elevation on uh, in, in that regard. So happy for him. Knicks in a good spot, in a, in a really good spot. So you'd love to see them come out of this All Star break and uh, make some noise as far as getting to that five seed. 800-919-3776. We'll get to your phone calls when we return. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well, T-Y-D-B-U-T-L-E-R. We're going until 7 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. The game tonight begins at 7 o'clock. Got the East versus West, but a different format. You get the draft taking place. Giannis and LeBron are captains. They were the leading vote-getters. So they'll have that NBA All-Star draft right before the game. And then Larry Hardesty following your way, following the festivities. The New York Islanders' 50th anniversary season continues with celebrations and giveaways all season long 
at UBS Arena. ESPN New York wants to make you part of this historic season. Enter to win two free tickets to see the Islanders face off against the LA Kings at home on February 24th. Just download the ESPN New York app, scroll down to contest, and submit your entry. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Be sure to visit NewYorkIslanders.com for New York teams, for team news, tickets, and more, and catch every Islanders game live on the Islanders stream and heard only on the ESPN New York app. Ty Butler going until 7 o'clock, 800-919-3776. Back to the phone lines we go. We head to Queens to talk to Renee. What's up, Renee? Hey, Ty. How's it going? What's good, man? Talk to me. I'm good, good. Just listening to your show. I enjoy um, every time you're on. Appreciate but it, bro. Chime, Appreciate you. Yeah, what's good? Appreciate you, man. Talk to me. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, just um, give me one second. I'm sorry. All good, man. Uh, appreciate you calling in about the Knicks. You, you, I see on the screen you want to say that they're mediocre. So you want to elaborate on that? What, what, what do you want to say about the Knicks being mediocre? Mediocre? Um, can you hear me? I'm sorry. I'm having a bad connection. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm actually just, I mean, mediocre may be a harsh word, but I just want to remind people how the only reason they're in their position right now is because teams like Atlanta, Bulls, Charlotte, Raptors, even Nets, even the Wizards, they all, like you said before, imploded. And if they were playing at their potential, Knicks would be in the bottom three. Bottom three? Wow, that's pretty harsh. Because um, you have all those teams that I mentioned have stars. Even the Wizards have a big three potentially with KP, Beal, and Kuzma. When healthy, they were doing they were doing pretty well. Yeah, well, listen, Renee, I appreciate the call. I don't know if I would say the Knicks would be in the bottom three. Certainly the Eastern Conference isn't as strong as we expected it to be. The Lonzo Ball injury killed the Chicago Bulls, and the the report is that <laughs> they're going to evaluate him during this All-Star break and could shut him down. It sounds like he should be shut down already. He's, he hasn't played a game this season. This was a surgery that took place months ago, and he's still not back. So that, that really sank... Uh, Chicago, the Raptors, I don't know what happened to them with all the talent they had on that roster with OG and Pascal and Scotty Barnes. Scotty had a a slow start to this season. He's played a a lot better as of late. Miami just uh, couldn't figure it out, couldn't find that that missing piece. And they just uh, announced today that Kevin Love, after he was bought out by Cleveland, is going to join Miami. But that's a team that should have been a lot better than they were. And I know Lowry's getting up there in age, and so is Jimmy. But with those three, Lowry, Jimmy, and, and Bam with Hero, you just expected, and, you know, Vincent even showed out last year in the playoffs. You just expected them to be much more formidable. You got to the conference finals last year with a lot of injuries. So you expected them this year healthy to, to make so much so much more noise than they have, and it just hasn't come to be. So... Uh, yes, the the Eastern Conference, and as you mentioned, the Nets, the two C when Kevin Durant got hurt, and you know, it just fell apart for the second straight season. Once he got injured, this time it, it fell apart permanently because he's gone and Kyrie's gone. But I don't want to take any credit away from the Knicks. They 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 play who's on their schedule. You you can't account for other teams' misfortunes. The Knicks were expected to win thirty eight and a half. Or the over under was thirty eight and a half. 
for the Knicks coming into the season. With 22 games left to play, they're at 33. So I, I do want to give them credit for where they are. And, you know, Julius Randle has had a phenomenal season, and Brunson has been everything that you would have hoped for plus more. I don't want to take the credit away and say it's because of a watered-down East. But, yes, have they taken advantage of the watered-down East? Sure. Just like any team has. Just like, you know, Boston's taking advantage. Milwaukee's taking advantage. So is Philly. So And, and Cleveland as well. So you got to give them credit for that. By the way, I do want to say a belated birthday. Happy belated birthday. Shout out to the second greatest basketball player in NBA history. And that would be one Michael Jordan celebrating his 60th birthday. How about that? His 60th. So, you know, he's known to have, you know, big parties during All-Star Weekend. I know they're out in Salt Lake City. Hopefully he had a had a good time celebrating 60. I believe Friday was when he turned 60. But shout out to the second greatest player in NBA history, Michael Jordan. MJ, man, did a lot for the game. A lot for the game. So I just wanted to show him love on the program today. Uh, by the way, we transitioned to this because I found this very interesting when Kevin Durant was talking to the media about the trade and everything that happened with the Nets. Here's what he had to say about player movement in the NBA. I don't think it's bad for the league. It's bringing more eyes to the league. More people are more excited. The tweets that I got and the the, the, the news hits that we got from me being traded, Kyrie being traded, just bring more attention to the league. And that's really what makes you money is when you get more attention. So um, I think it's great for the league, to be honest. The team's been trading players and making acquisitions for a long time. Now when a player can... You know, kind of dictate where he wants to go and leaving free agency or demand a trade. It's just part of the game now. So I don't think it's a bad thing. It's bringing more and more excitement um, to the game. So here's the thing. I, I think he's right that it does bring more excitement. And to some degree, it helps create a villain because we will get to a point in the season where people start to root against Phoenix. It's a team that many like because Devin Booker and, and Chris Paul, you know, want to see him get a championship. But I, I, I think we will progress. Once we get now that the NFL season is over and there will be more eyes on the NBA, once we pr- progress through the playoffs and Kevin Durant is healthy and on the floor, I think we're going to start to see more people root against the Suns. And once you have that villain, I think it's good for sports. Like the Houston Astros being a villain in baseball is great for baseball. As much as me as a Yankee fan, I have that sports hatred for them. It's good for the sport to have villains. The the big three in Miami was great for basketball. The Warriors, great for basketball. And in, in the NFL, the New England Patriots, that was great for the league. You want to have that villain. The issue, though, for Durant is that now in the last seven years, he's twice been involved in acquisitions that were super controversial. Now, the first one wasn't him demanding a trade from Oklahoma City. But it was him going to a Golden State Warriors team that many people felt was was too good for a guy of this caliber, for one of the all-time great players. That move was what turned the world against him because prior to that, people loved Durant. People loved KD. Like you know, remember back in the days when you know had the book bag and he showed up and he was swaggy. Like people liked KD. So once he goes to Golden State. All of a sudden, it, it sullies his reputation, which is a reputation that he had then had a chance to rehab in Brooklyn with a team that had never won while he was the unimpeachable star of the team. And it fell apart. So for on the heels of all of that happening, watching Kyrie sink this ship and seeing everything go on in Brooklyn, him going to Phoenix rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So I don't think he's necessarily going to get the credit 
that if they win a championship, it's not like folks are going to be like, all right, KD proved to us he can win a title on his own. It's going to be, well, you went and joined the team that is two years removed from the finals. Devin Booker, future Hall of Famer, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, perennial all-star. So is it good for the NBA? It brings excitement, player movement? I think so because, I, I, as I mentioned to a caller earlier in hour number one, Dame Lillard being in Portland, how is that good for the league? And I get you want to have parity, you want to have loyalty, but Dame Lillard is like a forgotten star. Like this guy is one of the best players of this generation, and no one talks about him. So you can sit here and praise him for his loyalty, but if he's got one conference finals appearance on his resume, never been to the finals, he's not going to get the love and admiration that he deserves. So I do think that to some degree, player movement can be good and healthy for the league. It's just that no one wants to hear Kevin Durant be the guy that says it. I always thought, though, that you know, people just struggle with athletes having power, and it's so weird. I don't get it. Like It's always that honor your contract, which seems to only work one way because no one has an issue when GMs trade players away. No no one's up in flames if uh, if a guy gets traded. But like like did anyone did anyone kill the Raptors for trading DeMar DeRozan who was a fan favorite? I didn't hear anyone up in arms about that. How could you trade DeMar DeRozan? No, because whenever it's a move that is shrewd to go acquire one of the best players in the league in Kawhi Leonard to help get your team to to win a championship, you're going to be praised for it if you're a GM. Whereas players, they don't get afforded that same Luxury, that same benefit of the doubt when they request a trade. So it's okay for for GMs to trade players, but players can't ask to be traded. I don't understand that. Why why is that why is that the case? Why is there a double standard when it comes to that? Why is it that the players have to honor their contracts, but the GMs are the ones who get to trade these players away? It just doesn't make sense to me. So uh, as far as Kevin Durant is concerned, I think trades and you know player movement and empowerment is good for the league. But it's just I would personally, and many people feel this way, would have personally loved to have seen you stay here in Brooklyn and, and will this team to a championship. See what the front office can do in replacing Kyrie Irving. Because maybe there were some more moves to be made at the trade deadline. Once you get all the first round picks and some young players on this roster who who could have had some trade value. So I don't know. Do people agree with this? Kevin Durant saying trades and requesting trades and player movement. Is that good for the NBA or do you think it's bad for the NBA? We'll hear from you next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. Is the phone number. Hit us up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, and on Instagram as well. So I just came across this courtesy of Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants. He says, quarterback Daniel Jones is in the process of making an agent change with the new contract and free agency on the horizon, per his sources. He was being represented by CAA. The expectation is that he will be joining athletes first. Not sure how much it will impact uh, his free agency, but it is at least an interesting development. And yes, it is because Daniel Jones in line for a big payday, not really what us as fans or, you know, media members think that you're worth. It's about what the market dictates and when you're getting paid. So is Daniel Jones going to get somewhere around $40 million a year? That could be the case. It looks like the Giants... 
want Saquon back, but at what price? Ideally, you want to get long-term deals done for both Danny and Barkley because Daniel Jones right now is the best option at quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers isn't on the table for you, that's not the type of significant upgrade at your disposal. You might as well go with Daniel Jones. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. I just don't know that it it is significant enough to upset the synergy that Daniel Jones has with this organization, with this coaching staff, and what you can expect from here from him in year two with more weapons, you know, an improved offensive line, and a team that feels like it's ready to at least take that next step. So if there's no Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers, you know, waiting for you, I just don't know that, that there's a better option than Daniel Jones. So you bring him back, and I think he earned that. Ideally, like I said, you bring both Daniel and Barkley back. I would love to see Barkley, you know, remain in a giant uniform he's just so great for the team he's so great for the organization he just feels like that leader that captain that guy that really has ingratiated himself with this with this city and you you root for because you know he's going to always go out there and and play hurt he's going to go out there and give it his all and I know that's a cliche everyone should always give it their all but Saquon Barkley doesn't cheat the game he 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 knows how much this means to him he he was humbled by the excellent season being you know happening and then subsequently having back-to-back injury riddled seasons and then he came back last year had a career year was phenomenal I think he means a lot to this team a lot to the city and it would be great to see him back in a giant uniform but at what cost what's it going to cost you because you know you'd love to not tag him even as a placeholder because it's going to eat a lot of your cap and you know it it restricts what you can do in free agency but this this is something that you want to have have done. So what what's the number? Is he getting a Christian McCaffrey like deal? I don't know if that's the number you want to get to because conventional wisdom. See, this is this is why you know Joe Shane is tough being a GM because conventional wisdom tells you that these long term contracts for running backs don't age well. Don't get in the business of giving a long term contract to a running back. It's just not going to be something that you look upon four or five years from now and say that was the right decision. But from an emotional standpoint, as I mentioned, what he means to this team, and he's your best weapon. So it's not like we're just saying this about a mediocre guy. You know, he he means a lot to the team and he's mediocre. No, this is a, a superstar talent. And he's a great guy. So you, you would love to have him here. The only question is, and this, this is something I brought up to Connor Rogers. When it comes to the Jets and Giants, you watch the Super Bowl and you see what's the what's being represented in your respective conferences with the Jets and the Chiefs uh, and with the Giants having the Eagles there. You see the level of quarterback play you need to compete at that level? Or do you have that or are you en route to getting that? With the Jets, maybe you can get that with Rodgers, which is why I never understood people saying they prefer Carter Rodgers. With the Jets... You know what it takes to get into that room with the Bengals and the Chiefs, right? You know what the standard is. Whereas in the NFC, it's the same thing with Jalen Hurts. Now, he might not be Burrow and Mahomes, but he's pretty darn good. He, he, he really burst on the scene this year, finished second in the MVP, and is only going to continue to get better. We're not going to just look at his passing numbers because we know he's a dual threat. And he had four total touchdowns in the biggest game of his life. And he rose to the occasion. I would love to have seen him get a chance after the Chiefs. If that penalty doesn't get called, which should not have been called, 
Jalen Hurts gets a chance to drive the Eagles down the field or that game-tying field goal or a walk-off touchdown. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that. But Jalen Hurts is going to continue to get better. So if you're the Giants, you have to. if you're locking yourself into Daniel Jones, it is with the belief that you're getting excellent elite-level quarterback play for the next four or five years that is going to have you contending with the likes of the Eagles and whoever the Niners put at quarterback and then the Cowboys who are also in your division. And don't just sneeze at the Cowboys. I know we don't love Dak because he was you know, pretty dread, dreadful when it came to turnovers last year. But that Cowboys team, that's the team you haven't beaten since Dak's rookie year. Yeah, you haven't beaten them since Dak's rookie year. And if you're the Giants, you had one playoff win, or I'm sorry, one in-division in win all of last season, and that was against Washington. So is it enough to just bring Daniel Jones back and give him some weapons? I, I, I'm i all for bringing Jones back. 22 total touchdowns, 8 turnovers, stayed healthy. He earned it. But you're locking yourself into it. And I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I'm, I'm just saying that this has to factor into the plan. You, you're locking yourself into a guy you think can give you elite-level quarterback play like we witnessed in the Super Bowl. Because you're in the business of trying to contend for championships. And whoever the Niners get at their quarterback position, we know Shanahan's going to work some, work some magic there. That's what you're getting in business of. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Connecticut. We talk to Den. What's up, Den? Hey, Tyler. How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. What's up? Talk to me. Um, just real quick on um, R.J. Barrett. Very frustrating to see him, like, in the fourth year, and you, you just don't know how to use him. I mean, he doesn't even know how to play certain aspects of the game, so he's a critical player when they need him. And so that, you don't know what to do with him. Yeah, right? and I think that, and I'll let you continue, Dan. I think that it, sometimes the retort... Sometimes the retort is, and then I'll let you finish. Sometimes the retort I get on the R.J. Barrett, crit, Barrett criticism is... Well, what do you expect out of the third option? He's behind Randall and Brunson on the depth chart, so there's only so much he can do. And I'm like, guys, think about what you're saying. There's a reason why he's the third option on offense. There's a reason why. If he was talented enough, which he is talented enough, it just hasn't come to fruition. If he was good enough to be the number one or number two option on this team, you don't think Tom Thibodeau would be using him in that regard? So that's what for all the people who defend RJ— it's not about where he is on the depth chart. It's He's slotted there because he simply hasn't been good enough to overtake those guys when it comes to Brunson and Randall getting touches. But go ahead, continue, then. Yeah, that You couldn't say it any better than that. You, he's got he's to he's level up to get himself in that position, and nobody can do that but him. Yeah, man, I, I agree with that. And you wanted to make a point about Aaron Judge? Actually, the other point I wanted to make was about uh, Kevin Durant. You know, you mentioned that he's a top, you know, a top tier type player. But when you look in the past in the NBA, you look at you look at uh, Larry Bird, you look at Michael Jordan, and you keep the look at a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes. They, when they win, they talk about winning more. Kevin, you get the feeling that he talks about, I want to be comfortable. I want to be with my buddies. I want to, you know, want him. Not a, not a true leader like those other guys. So yeah. how can he be a top? How can he be a top player in the NBA? All-time top player. 
you know, when he is delivering a championship like other guys have. Well, I appreciate the call, Dan. I, I think the reason why, I mean, it's a little, I, I understand the critiques about, you know, him joining the Warriors and now him joining the Suns. I don't think that diminishes his his legacy as far as where he currently is on the NBA pyramid all time. Like to me, he's still one of the 10, 12 greatest players ever because look at look at his ability as a scorer. Look at what he did in those finals for the Warriors. He hit the two biggest shots in consecutive series. He was the finals MVP. He's a one-time league MVP. And then in three back-to-back years with the Nets, was an MVP candidate and got hurt. Now, if you want to criticize him for choosing the quote-unquote easier way out, all for it. And, and that's that's a reason you can't elevate him past like Steph, Kobe, you know, Magic, Bird. If that's a reason why in, in the NBA hierarchy all time you can't ele- elevate him past those guys, I understand it. But he's still an all-time great player. Let's not diminish what, what we've seen in his career. He's still one of the best players in NBA history. Again, personally, I would have loved to see him stay here in Brooklyn and take this team to the next level because the respect that he was getting a couple years ago once Kyrie went down in that series against the Bucs. Remember, the Nets were up 2-0. They lost game three. They're competitive in game four, and then Kyrie goes down because Giannis, he lands on Giannis's ankle. Kyrie's done for the series. Then game five, Harden comes back, but he's clearly compromised. He's on one leg. In that game five, KD put on one of the best performances we've seen in NBA history. Had the 50-point triple-double. Game six, they lost, and then he was great again in game seven. His, his, his shoe size was, was a half size too big. But remember the respect that he got coming out of that series. And I had one of my guys who, um, one of my friends who was a host on Sirius XM NBA Radio, I, I will never forget this, tweeted out immediately. I got, I got more respect. He said this, I got more respect for KD in a series loss in round two than I did for KD winning those championships with Golden State. That's the type of respect that he was getting in a series loss. So I wanted to see him continue to rehab that image. And I get it didn't work with Kyrie, so they traded him away. But stay here. At least play the rest of the season out. See what you can do with this team. Because I, I watched Luka last year with Jalen Brunson and you know Don, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and Maxi Kleber and you know Tim Hardaway Jr. I was going to say his name, but he was actually injured in that series. Watched him with those guys get to the Western Conference Finals. I watched Luka do that. I watched LeBron in 2018 with Jeff Green and, and, and Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood get to the NBA Finals. And those guys get credit and respect for that. Now, ultimately, how is it going to age because it's about winning championships? But in real time, you get credit for rolling with the team that you have and doing the best that you can to unlock whatever that potential is. So were, were, were the Nets, without a second star, going to get past Milwaukee or Boston? Probably not. But I think folks would have respected it more if you would have stayed the test uh, of time in this city with this unit. And like I said, who knows what would have happened at the trade deadline. With the Nets having some assets, they could have uh, could have tried to upgrade this roster. So I don't know if it's fair to, to question his all-time greatness where he currently is. But if you're saying he's never going to get past certain guys just because he never got that championship you felt was legitimate then it's hard for me to argue with that. Let's head to Long Island to talk to Pete. What's up, Pete? Hey, how are you? Uh, quick, uh, Nick Durant. Um, you know, with Durant and these guys that 
requested trades, it's so hard for us as fans. We want to root for our favorite teams, and then, uh, you know, we don't know who's going to be on the team in the next year because these guys keep getting traded. Yeah, I get it. That's why they have now on jerseys, they have insurance in case your guy gets traded. Yeah. You can actually uh, have insurance for jerseys now. Yeah, no, I understand also, that. As a fan, I, I, I understand that. As a fan, it's hard to really marry yourself to a player uh, from a rooting standpoint because you just don't know what the future holds. I, like, I get it. I understand that. And the other point is the, the contract. So you're, you're thinking at least you got the guy for two, two years, three years, whatever the contract is. So you're, you know, it's, it's just hard all around. It's not for the fan, but also for the team. I mean, he's just talking about the, as a league standpoint. It makes it interesting. But then as, as far as that team that you just left, it just uh, put all, puts them uh, six feet under. Yeah, you know it does. I mean? Especially for the I mean, it's look, we just got it with the Nets, right? Like, they went from being title contenders to they're a team that's just not probably not going to make it out the first round. That That's a significant drop-off. And the Knicks maybe going to pass them. It's a fifth place. They can. To, uh, it's a fifth. Yeah, they can um, pass them. And it's second. I, a quick word on the Knicks. Uh, and R.J. Barrett, he's got to go back to slashing and going to the rim and stop at the threes. I think he's got to be reminded maybe by the coaches or, or put in a position in the place. I don't know if it's their decision or who's telling them to do what, but, you know, some of the guys just aren't getting utilized correctly. Him, I don't know what's going to happen with Toppin. He might have to be traded just because uh, we, we just can't use him. Yeah, I mean, and I, look, I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate the call, Pete. I, I don't want to continue to give excuses for RJ Barrett. He's not being utilized correctly. Here's the problem: he's got to be better. He's. It, we watched that game. Watched the game. It was. It was two games ago. It wasn't the 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 Hawks game before the break. It was against. Maybe it was against the Nets or the Jazz. One of those games where he's like got open threes and he's shooting air balls. Like, that's not being underutilized or utilized improperly. That's just a matter of you not being good. Bricking wide open threes, air balls, turnovers. Like, he's got to be better. And I, I think that the, the final 22 games of this regular season and, and then whatever happens in the playoffs, very important for RGA because we're going to start to hear the noise about them trying to trade him this offseason if he doesn't turn it around. I don't think he has any trade value as it is. But if he doesn't turn it around, you're gonna have to do something because it's clearly not working. And you're saying he has to become more of a slasher and attack the basket. I get that, but it is hard when you're sharing a floor with Julius Randle, who lives in the paint, and 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 Jalen Brunson, who's who's perfected the floater. So those guys are being efficient in the painted area, and they're being efficient in the half court. So it uh, there it's gonna open up. The three-point shot for R.J. Barrett, he's just got to knock him down. we got to hit a break. We'll come back and talk more basketball, 800-919-3776. I did get a tweet at Ty D. Butler because I said, Happy belated birthday to the second greatest player of all time in NBA history. And the real Jay Hall said, MJ's the second greatest player behind who? The obvious answer is LeBron James. So, I mean, come on now. What are you guys doing? Back in a moment right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ty D Butler, looking to respond to some of the tweets. So uh, Rob Brass hits me up and says your take is off about NBA player movement because getting traded is part of the contract. Getting fat like Harden, sitting like Kyrie, or completely bailing on your team like Simmons is not honoring your contracts that were willingly signed for millions of dollars. And I agree with that. I I, I don't applaud James Harden for what he did to get out of Houston and, and how he acted on his way out of Brooklyn. Does Kyrie not getting the vaccination, which, again, I always got to preface this by saying it's your choice. I never felt comfortable with forcing people to get vaccinated. It's your choice. But under, under these circumstances, when you're playing a team sport, and jobs are at stake, legacies are at stake, and you're trying to win a championship, I felt like you should have bought in, just like everyone else did. We saw Andrew Wiggins didn't want to get vaccinated, and in, in, in Oakland they had the same rules in California. He wouldn't have been able to play home games. He bought in, he got vaccinated, they go on to win a championship. So I thought that was a bad job by Kyrie. And the whole Simmons thing, I, you know, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's dishonoring his contract, but... I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm simply saying that if you are a player who requests a trade, why is, that look, why is that frowned upon? Why is that looked upon as a bad thing? Like if Dame Lillard came out, which he should absolutely do, and say, I no longer want to be in Portland, I want to go to a winning situation, look, his legacy is at stake. We're not going to remember. If Dame Lillard finishes his career, his career in Portland— all, all likelihood, they're not getting to the finals. They're not winning a championship. How's he going to be remembered? The guy that we watched last night win a three-point shootout. One of the most underrated, underappreciated players. And part of it is because he's playing in Portland. So if he goes to you know the Lakers or the Clippers or the Heat and he wins a championship, People will look at that and say, oh, you joined the super team, but I guarantee you're going to talk about a more legacy. His his stock is going to increase as opposed to what it is now. So I, I think that it just comes with the territory of like people in sports talk love to bring up guys who never won championships, didn't win enough. But then they criticize, criticize them for going to a situation that where they feel like they can best win a championship. I don't understand it. You should be loyal to you. Like LeBron should have stayed in Cleveland. You, you, their idea of building a championship contender when they kept losing to the Celtics and the Magic uh, in the playoffs with LeBron's first in in Cleveland, their idea of, of putting together the, the finishing pieces of a championship was bringing in Anton Jameson, Mo Williams, Anderson Varejao, Jadrunas Ogowskis. Like that, like that's that's your idea of putting a championship team together. So you would have respected LeBron more for staying with that team, Sasha Pavlovich, Booby Gibson. You would have respected him more if he would say, had stayed with Cleveland, didn't win any championships because he was loyal to the fan base. I mean, loyal to the franchise. That doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Ty D Butler. On Twitter and Instagram. Joe Leo. I have a question for you. Is Joe Leo available? My guy Joe Leo. What's up, man? So you felt like it was disrespectful for me to to say that it was uh, a happy belated birthday to the second greatest player in NBA history? Like that was foul? I, can, I see where you're coming from with this. I do. But for me... And I've watched LeBron's entire career. I'm not old enough to see prime Jordan. 
The six rings carries weight. It does. Um, for me. But is it the end-all, be-all? No, it's not the end-all, be-all. The, the gap is closing. For me to say that the gap is completely closed and to have a difference of opinion, LeBron would either need to tie Jordan in rings or get to seven. So you think that in football, Mahomes needs to get to seven to pass Brady? Like that's that's where the conversation starts. He has to get to seven first. No, because we, well, it's different. All right, with Brady, we're we're now in Jordan territory. Where when Jordan retired the first time, well, there's no gonna be, there's not gonna be a better football player or basketball player than Jordan. We're that because we're so close removed from where Brady retired. I don't think anybody can touch Brady right now. I just don't. And that's a combination of the rings, 16 success, and, I mean, Belichick, one could argue Brady made his career. <laughs> I don't can make the argument. I, I don't think you can make that argument. It, I mean, if you want to say Brady had more to do with the success than Belichick, sure. I don't, I don't think you can say Brady made his career. But so here's the thing. When, when, when Jordan got that statue in Chicago, it was after, I believe, the 93 season. And Jordan had won three championships. And on the statue, it says, like, the best there ever was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. So they were already calling him the GOAT after three championships. Meanwhile, Magic had five. Uh, Kareem had six. Russell had 11. So I, I, I think we move the goalposts sometimes when it comes to this, like, who's the greatest of all player argument. Championships, yes, Jordan's going to win that six for six. But here's the thing. I, if you want to think Michael's the greatest player of all time, I, obviously it's it's a it's a great take. I can't sit here and say it's a dumb take. Like that's that's a great take to have. I can disagree with it, but at least there's a conversation. There are some people out here who will act like it's not even a debate. Like you can't even d- debate LeBron and MJ. Like there's a guy who's made a living off of hating on LeBron who's got He's like, I don't even know if LeBron's in my top 10. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't, we, t- we, don't, we don't have to mention that guy's <laughs> what name. Are you talking about? The, what like, what are you talking th- about? I, I think so, too. What makes it hard is because of LeBron having to live up to the chosen one. And he's the next Jordan. He's lived up to that, which is astonishing. But to reach the level of just unassailable greatness... LeBron still has a little bit more to do. I don't know what it could possibly be, but there's still a little bit of ground in between Jordan and LeBron in my mind. That's fair. I I, I just, you know, watching this guy like, like, like you have his entirety of his career, I just don't know if there's been a more complete basketball player when it comes to him being number one overall in points, number four in assists, how incredible he was defensively. And just the longevity of having sustained greatness for two decades. And he's still rolling. He still looks not as good as he ever was, but he still looks pretty darn good. Final hour coming up. Ty Butler right here on 98.7 ESPN.